All right, today I want to welcome Josh Bresslers to the podcast. Josh, who are you and what are you up to? Oh man, I ask myself that every day, John. It's yeah. So, <laughs> where, where should we start? No. Well, we can know, we I, can start at the at the mothership. We met at Red Hat about we what? did like 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 two hundred years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so Josh was the you were, were you the number two security guy? There was I the, was the second yes. in the history of Red Hat. Maybe I don't. It's it sounds it sounds I, important. I mean, there's... I would be uncomfortable saying that because <laughs> I, I can't really I can't back that up with any sort of facts. But it was long enough ago. There there wasn't like a team doing any security really. It we'll, was we'll you and one that. other person, and and we I, I made it a team, right? Right. I there was, we go. I was, I'm willing to say I was a second employee on the first team doing security at Red Hat because there, there were plenty of other people doing security. Yeah. So I was responsible for testing. All the updates to our only product, Rel. That's right. You you were the guy slowing us down, man. I remember that. <laughs> and yeah, we got into it a few times. But I would talk to Josh at least on a weekly basis because he would give me like, hey, we've got this important vulnerability. There were like three applications, Firefox, Thunderbird, and Real Player. You remember uh, Real, Real Player? Player. Whatever oh, happened man, to that I, thing? And it was like every week it was gone. one of those. <laughs> I'd forgotten all about Real Player John until just now when I had this like flood of terrible memories come into my mind. It was ah oh, that thing was terrible. I was asking someone the other day, whatever happened to Real Player? I think they're still around, but I don't know. Oh, man. Anyway, anyway, we we <laughs> so so you are a security guy. You did security at Red Hat. You're not at Red Hat anymore. Where are you these days? No, I'm I'm at Elastic. I do similar things. Uh, I, I call myself the head of product security, where I do product management for security features and security of the products, as well as I, I help deal with the security updates in the products when we, you know, all the CVEs and things like that that get released and fixed on a on a regular basis. And yeah, it's good. It, it's a cool place. We do Elasticsearch and the Elastic Stack, and it's it's it really is an amazing tool if you've never played with it. You can do like some crazy things with your data and and see what's going on in, in near real time, which is awesome. I saw something you I was following you on Twitter and you said something about passwords and stuff, and that got me to thinking about this problem that I've been trying to solve for the longest time. Then I wonder if you can help me solve today. And that has to do with password management. Yeah. The here's here's the crux of my situation. I want to use a password manager. I don't want to use something geeky like kde whatever or what's it kpax or there's all these uh, uh, geeky linuxy yes. like things that people especially inside red hat just swear by like this is the way you're supposed to go well my my use case is i'm on a mac uh my wife has a mac i want her to be able to have all my super secret super long passwords i want to use unique passwords if I'm on a trip and my plane never returns or I'm in a coma or something and she needs to get to my information, I still want to be secure. I want her to get to it. I know there's LastPass, there's 1Password, there's these online things. Where do we start? What's the, what's the headset that a normal person, technical enough to be dangerous like myself, can come at this with? So... If I put my tinfoil hat on, I'm going to tell you not to trust any of those people. But that's, that's what I would have expected when and, I reached and, out no, no. to you. I was like, Josh and, and, is going to say, John, no, don't go near any of them. <laughs> and, 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 I, I would have said that a couple of years ago without question. But 
I, I would say I've I've maybe acquired a real world approach to security. We could say where you can't tell people things like that because if you tell them that, they quit listening to you. Is is what ends mm-hmm. up happening. And so what what I would tell you to do is just look at the features of these products and pick the one that ticks the boxes you need. For example, I I am using LastPass for not granted not all my passwords, but many of them because it has the uh, something called LastPass Family. So I can share passwords with my wife and kids. And in the event, like you said, you know, I get on the airplane and it, it doesn't land or it lands maybe more abruptly than expected, then then my wife has the ability to get at my passwords, which is, in my opinion, a huge benefit. And there are certainly drawbacks, but the reality is that the benefits outweigh the negatives it probably 10 to 1 at least. Because yes, let's face it, if, if some three-letter agency wants to come after me and steal my passwords – it probably doesn't matter where I'm storing them, right? They're they're gonna get them, mm, and so okay. and so that's that's one of the things actually that I've really started to embrace since I, I I became a product manager some years ago, and obviously return on investment is a big topic you have. Of, <laughs> Absolutely, right, right, exactly. And so I started thinking about security kind of in an ROI perspective of if if I'm doing everything offline, right, and I've got these crazy password managers and these crazy rules. I mean, I used to have, man, I could talk about how I used to deal with passwords and I could write a book about the insane things I did. And I realized at one <laughs> point, like, my return on investment was unquestionably negative because I was spending so much time and energy on a problem that, in all seriousness, wasn't even real. You know, Even like, for yourself. <laughs> even for me, yes. As much as I and wish. So if you're... So if your plane had never landed, your wife would have been totally hosed. Oh no, I had I had a backup for that, but it was so complicated. It's quite likely she couldn't have figured it out. But it, yes, I, I I had a setup where my passwords. Okay. I, I still have. I have instructions at the bank in my my box with uh-huh. this like yeah this crazy printout of like like, like here a hundred steps you have to do and then you can access my passwords and it's like. I'm going oh, I love to. That. It was terrible. It was terrible, John. I, I love that because I went on an international trip. A year or two ago, and I have my last pass password at the time. I've changed my practices, but I'm curious for your advice here. You know, it was like 100 characters long, and I would <laughs> copy and paste it in. And so I printed it out on a piece of paper, and we made this little video. And I was like, okay, if I don't return, you take this, you have to take this 100 character thing, and you have to get it into this thing, and then it went long. And so, yeah, but that, but I never like stored it anywhere safe or anything like that. So, as a starting point, though, What's what's your minimum bar? So okay, so LastPass sub- says that they encrypt everything and that they can't read your stuff. How do we know that's true? We don't. We we don't know that's okay. true. And and fundament. I mean, look, it it basically is because people have been looking at them. But fundamentally, there could unquestionably be, unquestionably be a problem where where somehow they could read your password. And and so, but here's the reality. Here's what I, the way I kind of look at this. Let's say LastPass has access to all my passwords. What's really the worst they're going to do, right? Let's say let's say a bad guy gets a hold of all my passwords. What's the worst that's really going to happen? And you know what's going to happen? Uh, my bank accounts will probably be emptied, and maybe my credit cards will be maxed out or something. But here's here's the deal: I can fix all that stuff, right? It it will suck, and it probably won't happen. And I'm betting it won't, which is why I'm willing to take some hmm. of these risks. And that's kind of okay. the, that's kind of the way you look at it, right? Is think of it as your return on investment. I could I could continue doing crazy tinfoil hat things, and that will work, but it will drain me mentally, and it will take up my yes. time. Because let's face it, as, yes. as I become an old man, my time is gaining in value immensely, 
right? Where I'm like, I don't want to spend six hours every week working on this crap. I want to go play with my kids or I want to go outside or whatever, right? Uh-huh, and so that's uh-huh. part of it as well is, is ease of use is a big part of my story. But, but anyway, and here's the thing. Let's say everything gets compromised and let's say a bad guy gets to all of my stuff before I figure it out and, and I can lock it down. I can fix it, right? It'll probably take a week of my life, but I can fix it. And my suspicion... But someone's drained your bank account. How do you fix that? You call your bank, man. It's fraud. They have insurance for things like that. I mean, look, if, if oh, right, look, okay. for real, like if someone basically breaks into your bank account and steals all your stuff, they're going to, it will take time, mind you, but you'll get your money back. Well, just to be clear, we're not giving advice to anyone here. Yes, I am not a lawyer. <laughs> we are and, and not if, lawyers. And we are not giving advice. We are just having a conversation about different aspects of security right, here. Right. So take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Right, right. Yes, absolutely. But, but anyway, and that's kind of the way I've been thinking about it, right? So if I have a choice between, so I was also looking at 1Password and I was attracted to 1Password because it would encrypt and store your stuff in Dropbox. And I was like, well, I like that because I could at least control where it's stored. Is there any advantage no, there? You can't. Or, are we, or have I already wasted <laughs> yeah. too much information or too much time thinking about so it? So here's the thing. You can't control where anything's stored, whether whether you think you can or not. And, and this is kind of one of the, I, I guess, humorous things I see with modern computing is we love to talk about on-prem and we love to talk about how we're going to keep our data safe and we're going to control our data and all this stuff. But the reality is, if you're using a modern device, you can't say you're controlling your data. I mean, how many things are running on this stuff? You probably have access to Dropbox from your phone, right? Which you can probably unlock with mm-hmm. a fingerprint or something. Like, you, you can't... No, I don't do that. <laughs> I do. It's nice. <laughs> it's so convenient, though, John. And that's the thing, right? You really have You really have I've, come a long way. I, I have. I, I have. I'm very proud of myself. I've... I, I call myself, actually, it's really funny, is when I go give talks at, at conferences, and, and I'm actually putting a lot of focus now on giving, giving talks at non-security conferences, because the security conferences, you. well, they, you're preaching to the choir, right? Or, or they think I'm insane, because I'm not like them anymore. But I'll tell people at a regular conference, like, I, I'm a recovering security person. And of course, it gets a huge laugh. It. But, but right, th- right, that's right. kind of the intention, right, is there's... I, I, one, one of the feelings I have is that a lot of the security industry has failed by by not taking normal people into account. And they say you would they expect everyone to succumb to their rules instead of saying, how can we how can we exist in your world and make your life better? And and I think this is why a lot of security fails today is because we don't take a practical approach. It's a very, no, no, you listen to me or else. And when they're like, screw you, I'm just going to take my credit card to Amazon, now what? Right? Now now you have two problems instead of one. And when you say take your credit card to Amazon, that's like they're spinning yeah, up a right. cloud. Yeah, right. Shadow IT, man. Doing whatever they Absolutely. want. Absolutely. And it happens all the time, right? <laughs> it happens constantly. And, and right. it costs like 10 bucks, right? For 10 bucks, you have infrastructure. It's crazy. It's amazing. Right. Right. So infrastructure, password infrastructure. For someone that wants to get started with this, isn't sure where to go, like someone like me. So you look at, Say LastPass, one password. Are there any others that that are worth considering or that you know about? Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I I couldn't even name them off the top of my head right now. It's the one password and LastPass are kind of the two really big ones, and and they work well, right? Okay. There's I I don't I guess I haven't found a reason to do a lot of exploring. I know like there's KeePassX, which is a, a local thing. There was something called Password Safe that I used to use, and that's a local thing again. And there's there's a handful of other password storage. Uh, uh, 
companies, I guess, and, and there's probably some services, whatever, whatever you want to call them, right? And it, it, it's one of those things, just look around, get a feel for what they do, and then pick the one that ticks the boxes you need. And, and that's basically what it's going to come down to. And hold on to it loosely. Because it's because none of it's fail-safe. It, it is not fail-safe. And it's probably more fail-safe than keeping it on your local gear, though, for what it's worth. Right? Because okay. you've got to think most of these services are storing your data in some sort of cloud-like environment. Whereas if your password safe is only on your laptop and your laptop is stolen or crashes, you no longer have a password safe. Unless you back it up to somewhere else. And now, and then- right, exactly, though. And <laughs> exactly. It starts getting out of hand quickly when, when you start talking about that. And then, then you need, well, is your backup in your house? And, and like what, one of my favorite examples, so uh, yeah. this is, I used to do this crazy backup scheme where I would have uh, multiple hard drives and I would rotate them and keep some off site and do this and that. Yes. And yes. I remember at one point I was, I was thinking to myself, like, this is madness. This doesn't make sense. But you figure if, yeah, if you back up your data into your basement and your house burns down, like that backup isn't, isn't helpful, right? Exactly. And so you need to think exactly. about all this stuff. Exactly. It's, yeah, th- this is tricky stuff, man. It's, and, and I guess this is the beauty of where we exist today in computing. It's, there's so many things as a service now. I mean, I look at, at Gmail. I use Gmail for my email. And I remember there was a time when I was like, oh, I'm never going to give Google my email. And then I got old and thought, whatever. <laughs> I, I'm too tired and lazy. <laughs> Let them read and, everything. Yeah, seriously, man. It, that's, that's part of it. Absolutely. It, it, but here's the thing to remember. Is Google reading my email? Maybe. Do I care? You know what? I don't. Because they already have access to most of it anyway, because the vast majority of people I'm emailing are already using Gmail. Right. And so it's kind of pick your battles. And if I have something I truly need to keep secure, there are other ways to go about doing that. Right. That isn't Gmail. So it's, Mm -hmm. again, this is where I try to take a very pragmatic approach to all of this. Instead of saying, I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on and I'm going to be, you know, dial it up to an 11. It's like, how can I be 80% good enough with the tools I have available to me that aren't going to eat up all of my free time? Love it. Two-factor authentication. Where do you... So for people that don't know what two-factor authentication is, it's the idea that you know something and you have something. Right. So you have this thing that's generating a code that only you have. The code is temporary. It only lasts for a period of time. And you use that in combination with a PIN number or a password or something that gets you in. What's your take on that when it comes to password management? I use two-factor auth with my with my LastPass account, actually. you They have an app that when I log in, it will basically say, is this you? And then I can click yes or no. And if I click no, obviously, I can't open my, my, my safe. Uh, <laughs> and I've never had to click no. What if you uh, click that yes? Would, that would be... Does it ask you for something? It, it, it can, right? I can enter a three-digit or a six-digit code, or it pops the app up on my phone and says, like, basically, is this you? Right. And and I love that okay. though, because having the ability to just click a button on my phone is more convenient. And there's uh there's actually a company that does some of this out there called Duo Security. And they they have like a two-factor auth solution. And one of their big claims to fame is the fact that you log in and then it pops up a thing on your phone and says, like, you know, is this you? Should you log in? And you just click yes and everything works, right? You don't have to type in the six digits or whatever. And so the idea here is that you have something. You have right, right, the exactly. phone. And if you lost the phone, you would disable LastPass to say, hey, don't have that phone right, anymore. Right, right. And then 
that wouldn't be correct. a valid way to correct. get in. And and that's that's awesome, right? I, I love having two factor auth and everything I can because like, like let's face it, two factor auth works. I mean, if you look at what's going on in the universe in terms of password security. Like use two-factor auth is probably the single most important and easiest thing you can do in most instances. Now, at the same time, though, Google knows less than 10% of people have two-factor auth enabled on their Google accounts. Aren't there stupid ways to do two-factor auth, too, like over SMS uh, text There messages? are text messages, which the text message network is, is known to be insecure, and there can be some problems in terms of intercepting this stuff. But here's my thoughts on this. Using SMS two-factor auth is better than no two-factor auth at all. Okay. Right. <laughs> there we go again. And, and like, okay. If, yeah. If you can, don't use that. But if it's all you have, that's better than nothing. And this is this is one of the great sins I think we end up with in a lot of technology, especially security conversations, is it's not perfect, so it's useless. And there's it's not it's not binary, right? There's like a sliding scale. Right. It's not, it's not all, or, all nothing. or nothing. And, yeah. and SMS, two factor auth is I would put it on the low end of the scale, but it's still well ahead of no two-factor auth at all, right? Okay, okay. Now, there's also this thing called Oh, man, I love my YubiKeys. And I I bought one, and I haven't done it. I was working with someone at work, and they were going to show me how to set it up, and we were going to do this massively complex thing just for fun and geekery. Which Which one do you own? Let me ask. There's like four of them. Well, it was the one that was like 40 40 bucks. bucks. All right, let, let me ask you this. If you look at your YubiKey, does it have what looks like a Wi-Fi symbol on it or does it have a Y on it? Okay, so you have a YubiKey That's 4, a y that means, probably. Um, this is, you bought it probably the last year or two, good? I would guess. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, like, yeah that's very about good. a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a four. It's four sounds I, I, have, I actually have four YubiKeys, so, three on my keychain right now. I know, they're, they're, <laughs> like, I love these things, man. Uh, in fact, the YubiKey people even think I'm crazy when I go talk to them. But... <laughs> So for the non-geeks out there, the YubiKey is this little like plastic, it's like it's like a thumb drive kind of yep. that fits on a keychain. It goes into yep. a USB port. And I haven't really set it and up. And they're yet, basically so indestructible. So actually you could start using your YubiKey for today, and you should. The thing it does that's the best is called U2F. And so uh, like for example, when you log into Gmail, U2F, U2F. it's called. F. And it's uh, it doesn't matter what okay. it, what it does. It's basically, think of it as, it, whatever, there's a bunch <laughs> of technical details that aren't important. But it, it's essentially two-factor auth. And the idea is this thing you have, so you plug it into your computer. And for example, I, I do this when I log into Gmail, is I type in my password, and then it says, plug in your U2F key. I plug my YubiKey in, I tap the button, and it does the magic of two-factor auth between the browser and and the YubiKey, there's no typing in little codes or anything. And the beauty of U2F is U2F can work on literally an infinite number of sites. So like, for example, if you're using the YubiKey for what's called, I'm going to get a little weird, something called HOTP, which is the the six-digit codes that'll spit out when you push the button, which I'm sure some people might be familiar with. Mm -hmm. You can basically do HOTP on a YubiKey for two sites max. YubiKey has, think of it as like there's one press of the button, there's a long press of the button, right? So it kind of has two slots, two sites. U2F is designed to work like with an infinite okay. number, essentially. And so, for example, I use U2F with with Google and Facebook and Twitter and like probably Amazon, I think. I don't, I don't even remember how many I have. I just know when a site says plug in your U2F key, I know to stick that thing in and hit the button and I got my two-factor auth. And it's amazing. 
So we're back to the same principle of right. something yes. you have. So you have your, the, the previous example is you have your phone. In this case, you have this little thing called. And now here's where it gets even better though. Here's where and it gets people best, love better them. though, John. Uh, well, people also, I'm, I'm going to, well, Upsell no, no. Me. <laughs> the other beauty of the YubiKey <laughs> is that things are like indestructible. You can literally like pound them on them with a hammer and you're not going to break them. Like they're amazing. Uh, but anyway, here's the best part is so I've got my phone. I've got my authenticator app on my phone. I generally have you, most of these sites let you set up like multiple two-factor auth solutions. So I have a one for my phone and I have one for the YubiKey. And that gives me the advantage of if I lose my phone, I still have my YubiKey. Or if I lose my YubiKey, I still have my phone, right? Ooh, yeah. But this, oh, oh, this is so great. So this, but this brings back me to my original question though. My phone and my YubiKey are with me, with my computer on this airplane that never returns. What does my wife do? Uh, that's where LastPass is neat because it, it has something set up to make this work. And now, now, I will say, like, for example, with LastPass, you would not be able to log into, like, Gmail without using either my YubiKey or my phone. And that's where it can get tricky, obviously, dealing with family members. However, I know some of these, the, the, the important ones, we'll say, like Google or Facebook or whatever, there are ways you can send them documentation to gain access to accounts if needed, for example. Okay, so there's still so there's there is a recovery path, it, but it's, it, it's going to be kind suck. of a little and painful. It, it's going to be a lot, or a painful. lot. We don't know. <laughs> Let's face it, and and I think of it in the context <laughs> of if someone steals access to my LastPass vault and can log into my bank, it's going to be painful for a, a while, right? It's sort of the similar thing, but we're also talking about this is a catastrophic event, right? This is like this is the the Category Five hurricane is what we're talking about here. Something that you basically just can't plan for. Yeah. And I guess I'm torn on that one because, you know, I know, I know situations where like a family member suddenly passes away and they want to get to that person's contacts or their email to find out who they can tell, who they should tell about the memorial service or whatever. So then that you is a true. Longer and, and that's something that I, I think it's a human that's worth considering. Right. If if that's a concern you have, like if you're like me and you just well, just yeah, well, don't have friends. That. Right. Or just you don't have friends, John. If you're mean to everybody, you. <laughs> you don't have any friends. It it's so much easier. <laughs> right. <laughs> Big takeaway from today's conversation. That's right. It simplifies so many things. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Nobody likes me. No one's coming to my funeral, John. It's fine. Problem solved. <laughs> okay. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, in, in, so, so here's the thing, right, is you're not wrong, but you have to draw a line when you're, when you're thinking about the what-ifs. And if that's something that's important to you, you put it below the line. If it's something that's not important to you, you put it above the line. And like in my – like for example, in, in my case, I, I've never printed off like a list of people I would want my wife to contact if I was suddenly killed. And I don't want to. I'm not going to lie to you. I, mm -hmm. I feel like the people who would need to know would figure it out in their own way. And I'm not that concerned about it in all seriousness. Like, like here's a great mm. example. If something happens to me, mm -hmm. there are certain people that will say, you know, I, I'm connected to on Facebook or Twitter that would probably send something out saying, hey, uh, Josh got hit by, you know, a runaway bust or something. And and I, I have a suspicion the word would spread quickly amongst the people who who would be interested in this news. And so that's kind of, that's just the way I envision it is like, don't care. And let's face it too, it's not going to be my mm -hmm. problem. So <laughs> I'll just 
(laughs) (laughs) Right, right. But but, I mean, again, it's, I value my time. And so I just don't want to deal with some of this stuff because it can, I remember, I remember thinking like this and it can become one of those just unattainable problems where it's like, oh, this, but now what about this? And now what about this? And there's actually, there's a great intro to a Malcolm in the Middle episode where, where the dad who uh, ended up selling meth later on in life, I guess. But the dad, he uh, he was going to change a light bulb. And then, you know, like he went to get the light bulbs and the door didn't open, like the door was stuck. And then he went to get tools and the tools were in the rocks. But you know what I mean? And he ended up like changing the oil in his car by the end of it. And his wife is like, hell, change the light bulb. He's like, don't, I'm working on it. Right. And that's what I feel like this stuff turns into where, where you, right. It's seriously though. I mean, that's, that's beautiful. You, know, you do this and then, oh, but what about that? And what about that? And what about that? And and this is where I feel like I'm trying very hard to make decisions about if I do this, does it really matter? And if the, if I, if the answer isn't a hard yes, then just forget it, like get rid of it. Hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So bring this, bring this kind of full circle. So you're going to pick a service, the two that we've talked about is LastPass or 1Password. You are, if you're sharing it with someone, you're going to do like if with my wife. So she's going to have her own, we're going to sign up for the family plan or whatever, and she will have her own way to get in. So, we'll so actually, it, it's even cooler than that. So the way LastPass family works, and I can only speak of this one because obviously it's what I use. So, so I have a family, right? And I have my wife, me and and my son are part of this family. And I can pick the passwords that are shared with the people. So for example, like my son's password for, we'll, we'll just say his Blizzard account, because that's basically the only one he has. <laughs> but it's it's like the games, right? What's Blizzard? Blizzard the, the Blizzard gaming company. He plays, uh, uh, what is it, Overwatch, his name of the game. Uh, totally kicks my butt at it. It's, it's sad. I've reached hmm. a point now where like I'm losing to my kids at video games. And that's when you... <laughs> Oh, man, We're playing Minecraft. Minecraft. Is Does this Minecraft. beyond well, you Minecraft? You can't really lose at Minecraft. But um, <laughs> anyway, anyway, so so I can say that my wife and my son and myself have access to this password, right? I can say my wife has access to these other passwords. I can say only I have access to these passwords, right? And then I can also say that my wife is kind of like the emergency contact. And so what happens is she can request by LastPass and say, I need emergency access to Josh's stuff. And then LastPass sends a thing to me and says, your wife is requesting emergency access. Can we give it to her? And I can obviously click no. And the intent here is that if I'm not dead, I'm going to click no, right? But if I'm dead, I can't click no. And then in like, and then I set it up so in two days she gains access. Because I figure if I don't have access to email for two days, something terrible has probably happened to me, right? And she's going to need access to this stuff. And it's super cool. And you can set up then basically anyone you want to be your emergency backup for for the password information, which is, it's awesome, man. It is. And, and again, I know there's a certain amount of risk that comes with this, but I would rather accept that risk than deal with the old tinfoil hat way I was doing that was, let's face it, so error prone, there was probably no way it was going to be done correctly. It, it, you know, and funny enough, it's product management that really opened my eyes to that is basically if anything has more than two steps in it, it's going to fail. Like, let's just face it, right? In terms of expecting users to get it right or developers to get it right or or like documentation to explain it, like no matter what group it is, if there's more than two steps, it's too many steps. Okay, so get a password manager, set up some type of emergency or shared thing, 
set up two-factor authentication, whether with a YubiKey, your phone, something. Any other considerations around password management? In all seriousness, if you do those two things, that will probably put you into the top 80% of, of secure users on the internet. And, and that sounds silly, but like seriously, those two things will make more of a difference in keeping your data and your account safe than anything else you can do. I know, man, it's crazy to think mm. about, but, but like for real, it's, and, and it, it, these aren't hard things to do, but part of the challenge also is how do you know, how do you know which, like, how would someone know to do this, right? Like I'll, I'll think of my parents are a great example. How would they know this? They have no idea, right? They, they know this because I made them do it, but I mean, you use you use that password remind that thing that remembers passwords in your web browser. That's well, where you so do it. Right? In, in all seriousness, <laughs> I don't have a problem with that necessarily. Except people type in the people type in their passwords really? some of their crappy passwords. You need the auto generated password. That's really the magic of it. Yeah. Any other general? While we've got you here, any other things that you would share at your your uh, presentations for non security people that general people listening to this might want to know or could be helpful to them <laughs> things they should explore get a get a chromebook like <laughs> no it, it actually and also I, I have one i use it when really? i travel to security conferences uh for real it, so so this is the other thing that i think is happening is we're entering the golden age of client computing where you have like your ipads and you have your chromebooks and you have your android tablets and all this stuff and these little devices because of the way they're they kind of came into the world, they have amazing security built into them. I mean, there's a reason you hear about the FBI complaining about getting into an iPhone because like the Apple got the security on that thing right. Like breaking into your MacBook, not hard. Breaking into your iPhone, probably impossible, right? And so, yeah, in, in all seriousness, using things like iPads and, and tablets and Chromebooks are, it, it, it's huge in terms of your security, especially when you're traveling. But at the same time, obviously they're fairly limiting. So you have to keep that in mind as well. But yeah, I mean, in, in all seriousness, like if, if I'm giving out advice to people, it's basically get an iPhone, get a Chromebook, password manager, and two-factor auth. And that's like, that's probably 95% right there. This is, this is a tangent, but I've always wondered about this. Dropbox. Is there a secure way to store stuff on Dropbox? Because my understanding is that stuff that you store there, it's not encrypted. So someone working at Dropbox can see your stuff. The better question is, like, do you care? Right. That's kind of the, the answer is no. There's basically no way. And and if you care, they don't store it on Dropbox. And and let's face it though, there's probably not a really good place you can put it. I mean, but here's my attitude on this as well: is uh, I don't care. If you want to look at my files, Dropbox engineer, and you know, Dropbox engineer, go ahead. Like, there's nothing there that's useful. So where I'm going with this is, so I've been doing a lot of personal development work with people. So they're like sharing personal Some of this information is like really personal to them. And I saw a coach the other day on a public forum saying, oh, I store all my stuff on Dropbox because it's really secure. That's a great example, actually. And this is where actually there, there's something coming out called uh, GDPR, the global, I don't even remember the name of it now. It's been, man, I've been doing so much with this. Uh, anyway, in Europe, basically, they're, they're starting to put rules on how you can deal with personal information. And like, that's a great example, actually. And I don't have a good answer for you today on how to store you know, personal information on someone else that would be probably dangerous or embarrassing if it got out. And I can tell you now, don't, don't put it on Dropbox. <laughs> Heck no. Right. No. Yeah. 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 So that's what kind of raised it for me because I've, I've been looking, you know, there's all kinds of hacky ways to do it, but they all look like, um, 
someone was talking about setting up a true crypt volume and but then it's like what if the volume gets correct yeah, corrupted I, and it's just like oh, what a mess right so. and and that but but again when you're dealing with things like personal information about someone else like my own stuff is different in my opinion because that's that's my thing right exactly but when it's someone yeah, else you're that's deciding where it for becomes yourself. very challenging right. and that's there i don't have a good answer for that today i mean i'm not going to lie to you yeah it's i don't know i don't know what to tell you any other services any other services you like, like say for VPN? I heard you mention, I listened to your episode about VPNs and you did not name your provider. Oh, but did I not? Who is it? I don't know. I use, I use something called uh, it's iPredator. Kind of mysterious. It's, iPredator. <laughs> yeah, it's not meant to be mysterious. It's uh, they're the, the guys who created the Pirate Bay created this VPN service. And my my view on it is if if I'm going to expect anyone to give the finger to any government coming around knocking, it's probably those guys. So and VPN, by the way, for those that are not in the know, so VPN is the idea that if you're not at home, or even if you are, I guess, if you're on a Wi-Fi network that's not secure, like you're at the airport or something, people can watch your traffic. If you're running a VPN, it protects it some more. Is it 100% guarantee that it's protected? As Josh has said, no. <laughs> but it's better than nothing. We're back to that. And And for VPN providers, it's... Just look around. There's so many now. And honestly, back when I signed up with these guys, there there weren't a lot of good ones. And so that's one of the reasons. If I keep meaning to to spend some time finding a new one, but again, like I value my time. And so <laughs> I haven't reached the point yet where the the return on that investment <laughs> will justify itself. <laughs> For some reason that's stuck in my head because you talked you told a funny story about how they were in another com- country and it's a foreign currency transaction and your credit card calls you once a year when you pay them or so I don't know. So some reason uh, yes, yes, yes. And and it is. They're I think they're in Sweden or Switzerland. I forget which country. Uh but yeah, yeah. It's I love it. Anyway, I, I can't think of anything else, John. Well, thanks for stopping we've... by. And I love your approach. Yeah, pragmatic, not so black and white. So thank you. Awesome, man. It was fun. Until next time. Thanks for listening to The John Polster Show. Notes, links, and all that other good stuff for this episode are at johnpolster.com slash podcast. If you have questions or ideas around the podcast, send those to podcast at johnpolster.com. 